the James Suckling podcast. Wine ratings, reports, interviews and more. Bonjour, James. So how are you? Excellent. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, bonne année. I've tasted a lot of 2019s, about 1,300 now. Um, it's been a lot, and there's been some fantastic wines and also um, a few less good ones. But um, what you know? what's your feeling about uh, 2019 in general? Uh, in general, well, to understand uh, the wines, we have to go back to uh, the you know how they how they came up during the growing season. And as you know, we we came out uh, of a mild uh, February and March early bird break ten days uh, ahead of normal, and then a cold and uh, wet April, uh, cold May, not too wet uh, but uh, cool, and so very slowly we caught up to the normal uh, phenology dates. Uh, end of May we get. Uh, a slightly, you know, warmer spell that uh, started uh, flowering, and we got uh, short windows of uh, 10, uh, 10 days that were nice enough uh, to get uh, a good set, uh, and then uh, right after early June, again some uh, cooler and uh, and very wet conditions uh, at the end of uh, of bloom. We got uh, even even it got stormy actually because on uh, on June seventh we got. Uh, the Miguel storm uh, that actually broke uh, a few shoots over here for anything that was not uh, traced uh, properly at that time. And then mid-June, you know, it uh, could have been anyone guess uh, to know in what direction the vintage was going because obviously at that point, uh, we were right on the, the average phenology dates. Uh, we were, uh, we had a, a good set, even if we had a bit of uh, shatter because of the cooler weather uh, during. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, cooler. Yeah. And so it could have been in any direction, and luckily it went in, a, in the right direction for four months because we entered a, a warmer and uh, and drier uh, summer from June twenty third on. You know, we got uh, four months of uh, gorgeous weather, a few heat spells in July, uh, no yeah. excessive heat, uh, no sunburn on the berries, so that was uh, great. A bit of rain at the end of the month, uh, around uh, July 26, but only uh, 31 millimeters, not much, uh, after yeah. the, a month of uh, very warm temperatures. So that was a relief for the, for the, for the vines. Um, perfect to start the resin, uh, to uh, even the, the crop out as well, get things more uniform. Um, and then August was more um, on par with the, with the average. 51 millimeters uh, normal temperatures, uh, perfect for ripening properly the tannins. Uh, and then September, first 10 days cool again, uh, then 10 days of uh, very warm uh, weather. And then we start to see a bit of dehydration uh, on some of the Merlot, especially planted on, the, on gravelly soils. Mm -hmm. The Cabernet Sauvignon was fine at that point. Uh, even if uh, on young vines, you start to see uh, a bit of uh, water stress as well. Um, and that's when we started harvest, uh, because the Merlot's first Merlot's, the earliest one, were getting ready, getting concentrated. Uh, you know, the sugars were increasing. You would see, you would see the uh, acid drop also uh, quite rapidly. Uh, and so we started to pick around September 18, 19, the first few Merlot's. And then we entered a cooler uh, again in September 22nd, about, that we cut for the whole, you know, for, for the whole harvest. 
And so what that did, um, we started to see some rain. Um, yeah, so overall in September, we got uh, 35 millimeters, you know, an inch and a half. So nothing huge. It's below normal for uh, September yeah. in Bordeaux. But it was actually a real blessing. We are very happy to see it come at that time because that stopped the dehydration uh, and yeah, absolutely uh, froze the sugar content. So we didn't see you know, increases in sugar and berries. Uh, it stabilized also the acid drop uh, in the fruits and it let us uh, wait for the perfect time uh, for the uh, tannins ripening. And so we were able from that point on to really peak at our leisure Test the fruit, you know, decide when it was ready and let the tannins ripen uh, to, uh, to perfection. Uh, and that allowed us to push the Cabernet back in, uh, in October and uh, pick them where we felt they were under you know, perfect conditions of, uh, of fruit flavor, tannin ripeness, you know, ripeness and uh, acid to, uh, to sugar. So, so when did you start picking the Cabernet then? The first few weeks of October. Uh, because you know that's it. now I'm starting to understand. Because, for example, uh, some wines, obviously not. It's mostly let's say in lesser terroir, um, mm-hmm. like parts of Omedoc or Cote de Blay, or and the wines can be slightly um, herbaceous or they seem diluted in the mid palate, and so maybe people panicked, like they thought. If it was just they saw the rain, maybe they harvested right away or during the rain, while you saw it as an advantage and you waited, and then yes. it was better for the Cabernet. Yeah, because late, you know, at the end of September, the, most of the Cabernets uh, were not ready. Um, and, uh, you know, from a flavor uh, standpoint and uh, tannin and phenolic uh, standpoint as well. And since there was absolutely no uh, pressure from the botrytis, uh, and uh, the rain was moderate, I mean, you know, an inch and a half of rain is not going to uh, yeah. make, us, make us run and get the crop in uh, in a hurry. Um, <laughs> we can handle a lot more than that, uh, especially on these uh, gravelly soils, you know, with uh, all the vines as well. I yeah. think the trick maybe in this vintage uh, was potentially on some plots, especially younger, younger vines, you could have ha- you could have had a, a large crop, and uh, so that, that may be some of the of the division you see uh, you know sometimes. So uh, crop size uh, was uh, on the higher side for younger vines. Obviously, all the vines you know they regulate themselves uh, very well, and they had a bit of shatter also at uh, at yes. So they had a, a normal crop uh, that uh, they were able to ripen properly, and also you know when you push harvest. Uh, in uh, early October for the earliest terroir, because over here in Poyac, you know, we have some of the uh, earliest uh, terroir. Obviously, if you are in cooler parts, uh, you know, you, you have to wait a bit longer and then it could become a, a bit more tricky. Was 2019 a little bit more tricky than 18? I know 18 was cold and then boiling hot for 50 days. Was it, did you, was 19 more difficult? Like you had to think, about what you were doing when you were doing it. Um, yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah, I think 18 was more straightforward. Uh, you knew exactly what to do and when to do it. Uh, things were more obvious uh, on the ground to make uh, decisions. But 19, you know, honestly, 19 was not very difficult either. You know, if uh, 
you are in the fields uh, looking at what uh, what was happening uh, you know you 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 could make the proper decision at every step uh, of the process and uh, even when you start to see rain you know when you have a, a crop uh, that's uh, so perfect uh, so healthy um, and uh, and on top of that you know that it needs a bit of rain to finish uh, to uh, ripen it properly because the vines, obviously, you know, if you, you don't like to see too much water stress uh, towards harvest um, because it's, it makes for a different type of ripening with more concentration, you know, different fruit profile, obviously, yeah. a bit more bloody and, uh, and, higher, and higher sugar. So, no, uh, going into the, that harvest, um, we are very confident that it was going in the right direction. And so we really took our time to, uh, to do it properly. And uh, we saw the gains every day, obviously, in, in the fruits. And what about, so how was the weather during, well, you had that rain in between, you sort of in between the harvest. So it was, but again, it wasn't lo a lot of rain. Bordeaux winemakers are really used to dealing with rain. That's part of the Atlantic climate. What about, right. um, what about the, uh, and what was the selection like? What was it? Did you have to select a lot of grapes out or was it okay? What was the. Um, well, the, the overall, the average quality uh, that we were able to reach in 19 was very high. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, it was a slightly larger crop than 18. 18, the selection uh, was lower. We, we used more. Uh, you know, higher percentage of the uh, the plots into the Grand Vin in general out of the estates. Yeah. Uh, 19, we went back to a more normal selection um, because um, the overall profile um, where it was able to, I think, well, if we, if we go back to 18, I think the vintage takes over from the terroir a bit yeah. more than it does in 19. And so I think you have a less transparent um, uh, view over where uh, the lots come from. In 18, uh, you know, the average of absolutely great quality uh, fruit coming for the vintage, for, from the vineyards was higher than normal. In 19, yeah. you were back to a more normal uh, look at the vineyards where the, the, the grapes um, reflected more where they, they came from. So more transparency uh, in, in their food profile. And so given that, obviously, you can select uh, uh, more traditionally the lots after fermentation because uh, the food profiles different, the tannin structure obviously also reflects a different type of terroir. And so you become more selective, more discriminant, and you're able to yeah. make wines that are, that have, uh, that are a true reflection of, uh, of the soil type they are from. Yeah. Because you, all those years, you know, the different plots that uh, have the best exposition or drainage or whatever. You, you know, and so you could really, it just worked how it normally does. While 18 Absolutely. or hotter, everything was right. You know, it had that soleil sort of character, richer, riper character. It leveled uh, things out, leveled yeah. the field a little bit in 18. And 19, you, know, you see more, just, you know, more differences. Uh, it's a clearer picture, I think. And what, uh, as far as the, Vinification and the winemaking in general, did 19 present any problems? No, when you get the you know fruit of that quality, uh, it was rich without you know over being overly rich. The uh, percentage of alcohol was back to your ranch, you know, that we are very familiar with 
uh, almost uh, a half percent below uh, what we had in 18. So extraction is lower. Uh, you don't have to be as cautious. Um, and uh, so now we, we really vinify them normally uh, with very with a great confidence as well, because we knew the tenants uh, from the skins and the seeds were perfectly ripe. So there was no risk of uh, over extraction. And uh, we, we went uh, in the vinification process with a, a lot of confidence. And I think that the wines uh, reflect that as well. Was there any, like, would you say it's a Merlot year or a Cabernet year? Or what, what do you think? Well, when you look at the, uh, the blends break down, uh, you know, obviously, as I'm going to tell you it's a Cabernet, it's a Cabernet year. Um, and, and I think it is for the most part, uh, just because of, uh, you know, the, the water deficits that we experienced in 19, I think really favored Cabernet Sauvignon that really thrives in this type of uh, conditions. Uh, now for the Merlot, except for the one I mentioned on gravelly soils, because we still mm -hmm. have some older plots that were planted on that type of soil. Uh, and those, I believe at some points in the process lacked water. Uh, in July, I think they suffered from the heat a little bit. And in mid-September uh, also, during the uh, earlier, you know, the warmer part of the month, uh, when they saw concentration, I think we could have had, you know, a fresher uh, uh, profile uh, if we didn't have uh, that type of heat on that type of terroir. Now the Merlot on the clay part of uh, yeah. our estates performed extremely well. Uh, and those are the ones that went into the Grand Vin. You know, they, they really produced very deep, rich uh, structure of Merlot uh, with a full, of, you know, full flavors, uh, just gorgeous. So it was really uh, terroir dependent. Um, and so we, we had some fantastic Merlots in 19. Uh, but we all the cabs were absolutely great. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a perfect vintage for Cabernet. And uh, it, it's a great vintage for Merlot, depending on the, yeah. the soil type you had. For example, Merlots from uh, the best terroirs in Palmerol are amazing. They're really fantastic wines. But again, those are those have clay or they're clay and gravel. So that those soils that retained water uh, really uh, did well. What what about uh, when you talk? You know, when you uh, think to yourself or talk to um, Philippe or you know or to uh, other. Um, members of the family or friends or whatever what are there any comparisons you like to make uh between 2019 and um and other vintages well first we all like to uh, to taste it and discuss about it and even drink it sometimes it's uh, <laughs> it's a vintage everybody likes so that's great that's good. Uh, and then if we uh, look for reference points um I know it would have been, you know, it would be vintages that uh, have an earlier drinkability, that have depth, that have this quality of tenants. I think you get that from the hang time. You know, we're able to really yeah. wait for those tenants to be perfectly polished. Um, you have that type of quality in 15, I believe. Yeah. Tenants, you know, very silky. Um, we had that in 2009 as well. Yeah. If you go back, uh, you know, further, I think 82, uh, you know, with that plush, you know, yeah. ripe fruits, uh, just gorgeous from the beginning and, you know, and stays gorgeous, you know, all the way through, you know, 40 years after. Yeah. I think the, it's also a good reference point.
let's do the tasting then. Do you want to try the um, uh, Armagnac then to start? Absolutely, yes. So you've really been, I can see at one time Armagnac was really, Darmagnac was really much more like um, soft and clean and, you know, uh, very easy, but you're really believing now you can make a much more structured wine. Yeah, the viticulture has evolved to um, try to express uh, the sites, and it has it has some areas that have that depth of power and structure that are yeah. uh, more clay. And as obviously, most of what makes Darmayak is uh, a great uh, two great plateaus of uh, very deep uh, sandy gravel uh, intermixed with a bit of clay. So it has uh, a terroir to make a, a powerful wine. Uh, but with a, a lot of elegance and, uh, and great fragrance. I think to me, the, the perfume of Darmayac uh, really, really show that, uh, that light uh, gravelly soil. Uh, but yes, there's been a bit more uh, viticulture that's a bit more detailed, I would say, uh, the past uh, 10, 15 years. It has such freshness, the swine too. You know, you taste it, it has a really, uh, one thing that some 19s lack is the center palate. And this wine, that's the best thing about this wine, is the milieu de palette. It really, it's really has a beautiful center palette and very compacted. Mm, very layered. Huh? Yeah. And at the same time, great depth. Uh, it's very vibrant, as you said. It retains the yeah. freshness. Okay, so uh, now we do um, pastoral, right? Yes. Are you, is the policy still to release this late or not? It was until uh, last year. Okay. Uh, so last year was the first vintage uh, where uh, we, re we released some uh, en primeur. Okay. And how do you make the selection for the second wine of uh, Clerc Milan? Well, it's a selection that starts in the field. You know, when you taste the fruit, uh, you see which one has the potential for uh, uh, slightly more extraction uh, because uh, you get the tannins uh, in the seeds and skins that are uh, fully ripe, that have a certain quality to them. Um, and, and you know that you're going to build that fruit into a powerful wine that will have the, uh, the ability to age uh, in New York for 18 months and, and make... Um, um, a, a great uh, grand vin, and you have others that have other qualities. They're fresher, more vibrant. They don't necessarily have the same depth of tannins structure, uh, but you know you can turn them into a very fleshy, uh, very juicy, very savory type of wine. Yeah, it's actually you could drink it now. <laughs> it's, it's very good. I like that. Well, you could you could eat the grapes when uh, you know when yeah. they're young. You can drink the wine like, early as well. And you're right, the tannins definitely have a different profile than the Grand Vague at Clerc, which is much more structured, And but I haven't tasted it yet. But traditionally, that's how the wine is. It's, it's like, we used to always say baby uh, mouton. It's very structured. Wow, nice nose, Clerc. But you know, it's a vintage that tasted well, always showed great during uh, the barrel aging. Yeah. Um, barely uh, moved 
uh, blinked an eye uh, after a bottling, you didn't really see a, a you know bottle shock on, on this yeah. vintage. Um, I think they, they do benefit from a bit of air aeration, obviously, yeah. because there is a structure there that can uh, take it. Um, but you can pop the cork and enjoy it right away. You can see all the yeah. policies. Obviously, it's going to evolve uh, and expand in the glass. Hmm. Wow. That really has a lot. This has an excellent finish. Wow. 32 person Cabernet Sauvignon. You have to go back to uh, 86 to see uh, as much cab in uh, the land at Camino. Wow. And what's the rest? The rest is uh, 22 Merlot, four Cabernet Franc, and two Petit Verdot. They're, the tannins, you can really feel them, and they're chewy, but at the same time, they're very polished. Testing these wines, it's true that uh, we could feel they come, you know, they come from a cool type of vintage. Yeah. You know, they, there's, um, there's a coolness from the menthol, you know, from the, uh, from yes. the minerality. Um, and that's, I think, very interesting. Okay, let's try the Petit Mouton. So, so tell me again, or more now in your mind, what's the, uh, the raison d'etre of Petit Mouton? Like almost, in a way, it's almost getting too good. Like before it was like, oh, drink that young, you know, second wine, wine of um, Petit Mouton, but, or Mouton, but now it really has really its own character almost now. I agree. It's... Uh... And that character emerged over the last uh, 10 or 15 years. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the way, it, you know, the, the place it comes from, it's still, it's still the same as it was 20 years ago. Because what makes Mouton, you know, is the center of the two plateaus uh, for the most part. And so 90% of Mouton comes from the same blocks uh, every year. And whatever is, uh, all the blocks that are around the heart of the two plateaus, um, for the really the close edge to uh, what makes Mouton can go, you know, in one blend or the other, depending on the vintage. And whatever is the, the larger uh, circle uh, makes Petit Mouton uh, every year. And so those blocks, we know what makes Petit Mouton uh, pretty much every year. That's the thing that changed, that changed, I think, is the viticulture we apply there uh, over the past two decades. I think we've progressively applied the same viticulture on those blocks as the ones you know, we are playing to Mouton's blocks. And so obviously that raised uh, the level of quality uh, of the grapes we, we got from there. And, um, and then as the, the estates overall progressed, I think we generally, you know, we, we've been make, making gains in, in quality. Petit Mouton benefited from that, but even more because uh, all of a sudden uh, it was treated the same equally uh, to what was making the Grand Vin. And so obviously the, the character is a bit different because the terroirs are uh, not exactly the same, but it's so close that you get a sense of tasting, you know, something that's connected to Mouton uh, anyway, yeah. but also it has its own identity because it's, you know, it's like a different terroir. And since it comes every year from the same plots, you see the evolution, you recognize the wines, it has a true identity. Uh, and I think that's what we see in the glass uh, the last few, last few years. Totally. 
this is very structured one too uh and needs time it's really impressive okay so now we'll try the grand vin wow because also this and the mouton right away on the nose you have much cooler fruits with like some sort of mint and then the lead pencil the classic you know uh poyak character oh my god the nose just and the dark fruits are incredible to me that's what's fascinating in this vintage um yeah you get the full array of aromas that uh, Cavalier Sauvignon and that type of terroir can offer you know you sometimes you get a more narrow window you know yeah. narrow peak of what Cavalier can do over here you get from the dark fruit the licorice uh, all the way to the uh, cool, cool menthol, you know, some, yeah. uh, some nice, noble herbal notes. You get the crushed totally. notes, you get the flowery, you get the spice. I mean, you get, I think it's, uh, it's Cabernet Sauvignon on full display uh, in this vintage. The tannins are really intense, but fine. And they're very long, just on and on and on. No? Absolutely, agree. They, they're interesting because they provide the structure and, you know, the richness. Like it's cadre, like it's frame. The tannins are holding everything together and just go along. And it keeps rolling on the tongue. Uh, yeah. It feels, it, it never ends. And I like that, just a hint of that, like, current bush, or like you said, the good sort of greenness you want the air, the, the fresh herb character or mint or whatever. And every time we go back to it, we discover some new components. Um, it's, it's very pure. It evolves greatly in the glass. And um, it really makes me want to go back to it, you know. Me too. Time after time and, and try to understand and see, you know, everything it has to offer because it feels like we're only scratching the surface of what uh, that wine delivers. I totally agree. Okay. Well, listen, that was a great tasting. And thanks for all the renseignements, uh, uh, all the information. It was really um, helpful because I'm just about ready to write my story. Anyways, uh, say hello to everyone. Merci beaucoup, James. Very nice seeing okay. you. Okay. Compliment. Merci. Au revoir. Au revoir.